Yeah, as, uh, as Hannah said, my name is Stan Draghi. I'm on staff here with Salt Company. It is an honor uh, just to be here with you guys. Thursday nights is one of my favorite parts of the week. And um, it's an honor to teach what I've been learning this past week. Um, in the past 20 years, this is a huge topic in my heart. Um, and I'm really excited. But it's also good to just be with college students again. You guys have three weeks left of class, right? Before finals, three or four? Is there some confusion? Who's got a 4.0? Who knows how many weeks are left in school? Four with finals. All right. Thanks, Lucas. <laughs> Your finals are tomorrow. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is, it is a, a pleasure to be up here. I'm really excited just to be here with you guys. Welcome to Salt. If you're new, we are really glad you're here. Um, so as Hannah was saying, we're, we're in the middle of a series where we're talking about leadership. So we're doing our leadership applications for our community groups, um, but we're also just talking about what we think leaders look like in general, not just community group leaders. So last week, Chris was talking about faithfulness. Tonight, we're going to be talking about humility. And then next week, Zach is going to be talking about his experience as a leader. And we think this, this series is just uh, very exciting. One of the, we're so excited about leaders and just raising up leaders for Jesus. Um, but more importantly, so yeah, it's kind of an emphasis on salt company leadership, but really we are more interested in raising up young men and women to grow in maturity to be men and women of Jesus Christ. And we think that faithfulness and humility are two of the most important traits that young people can focus on growing, especially while we're in college, especially while we're young. We believe that the leaders of the world are on campus today. That's why I'm here is because I believe that you guys can grow into the people that Jesus wants you to be, and you can go out into the world and represent him super well. And we think tonight that humility is something that Jesus feels super strongly about. The Lord seems to have a lot to say on, on what humility is and how we can do our lives with humbleness. Um, so let me pray, and we will jump right in. Heavenly Father, thank you so much just for this space and this time. Um, and so many blessings abound uh, just for us in, on campus in this beautiful city. Um, Father, I pray that tonight that you would speak, that you would speak to our hearts, my heart, these students' hearts, the staff team, Jesus, that we believe that your desire to speak to us and teach us is greater than our desire to listen and to grow and to be like you. Jesus, I pray that you would give us a desire for our desire to grow and to change and to be like you. And that anything that I say that might be from you, that people would remember that you would speak through me. But anything that I say that's not from you will be forgotten. Yes, Jesus, we love you so much. Amen. So we're talking about humility. One of the things, one of the definitions for humility, this is the dictionary definition that actually coincides perfectly with the Bible's definition, is humility is a modest view of our own importance. So when we evaluate our own value, our own self-worth, humility is just a modest view of our own importance. Um, that's what the dictionary says. And then in Romans 12, 3, it says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Think of yourselves soberly. Do not think more highly. Do not think less. Think of yourselves soberly. So this is, this is a brief glimpse of what the definition of humility is. But throughout the Bible, we're going to see that 
humility in our lives is actually really, really important, and it's, it can play a huge part. So mostly, most of what we're going to be looking at today is how humility or pride, this, this coin, this, there's two sides of the coin of humility and pride, how they affect our life. Um, and it seems like practically there are four major ways that we see pride and humility play out. Um, we see it in our relationships, in our entitlement, in our criticism of others, and in receiving correction. Even as I'm thinking about going through this, it's pretty daunting. These are really big deals, and how we do these are very important for the rest of our life. Um, the Bible says that pro- humility is important because pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. This is a warning sign. If you're proud, you're going to fall. But also there's a blessing to the humble. Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be last, the servant of all. So Jesus says, if you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. So there's a blessing to the humble. That's in Mark 9.35. So one of the first ways that we see humility really play out, or pride, lack the, the lack of humility, right, is in our relationships. So you guys all have friends, you have family, parents, teachers. Um, one day you're going to have kids. These are all relationships that we have, roommates, classmates. Um, and we can see a lot of pride or humility in our relationships. You guys all know that proud person in your friend group, right? Maybe his name comes to mind. Maybe something he, he or she said today or yesterday comes to mind, never accepts, they are never wrong, they never accept to be wrong, they never apologize, always talking about themselves, boasting, that person, they're in your mind. Maybe if you're not thinking of someone, maybe it's you and your friend group, right? (laughs) Yeah, maybe, maybe this person was a dad or a mom who never apologized growing up, made family life really hard. Your parents never apologized for doing wrong. Um, they never said sorry. They were never able to admit when they were wrong. And conflict in our relationships, humility is humongous. When we're proud in conflict, we can assume people's motives. We think we know the whole situation. We think, I'm right, they're wrong. They need to know they're wrong, and I'm not going to stop until they kn- I know that they know that they're wrong, and they're an idiot because I know what's going on. We can assume people's motives when we're in a conflict. It's like... He just hates me. He just has it out for me because I get better grades than him. It's like, that's pride. That's just pride in relationships. But in our relationships, conflict is unavoidable, but humility is not. Um, Wait, sorry. I think I said that backwards. Conflict is not avoidable in our relationships, but humility is. So when we do conflict, we want to do it well. We want to do it beautifully. Um, And we want to have it with humility. And this is what... Hannah and I have been trying to learn for two and a half years is we, we want to do conflict really well. We want to do it beautifully. So the goal of our relationships is not to avoid conflict. We want to do conflict really well. And it seems like humility is going to be one of the best ways that we can navigate our relationships well. Um, it seems like college is a good place that people come to find a spouse. And it would be a safe assumption to say that most of you guys want to get married one day. Um, and I would also say that learning humility in college now before you're married, before you're developing patterns and habits, is paramount to having a beautiful marriage. If you can learn humility with your roommates, it'll be so much easier um, for the rest of your life in your marriage. So Hannah and I got married a year and a half ago, almost a year and a half ago. 
And when we were engaged and the first, first little while of marriage, I thought, oh, this is true, this is honest. Um, I thought, man, I was, I'm a pretty good husband. <laughs> I'm pretty humble. I'm pretty perfect. Like, I'm a catch. Uh, this, is, this is what I really would have said. And, and recently, Hannah can attest to this, I have been getting humbled a lot. I've been, I've been learning the hard way to apologize and own what I do. And I'm not going to lie and own stuff that I don't think I did wrong, but I, I want to own my stuff and apologize. I probably, I've been intentionally trying to apologize for my stuff, and I've probably been apologizing 10 times more the past two months than, I don't know, a year and a half, first of marriage. Uh, but it's been killer. And, and having humility in marriage is going to be so important to have a healthy marriage. And if you want to bring kids into the family too, it's like, oh my goodness, we got to have some humility. Otherwise, it's going to be really, really hard. Another area that we need to have humility where pride seems to abound is our entitlement. So that was our relationships. The next is entitlement. It seems like, especially in America right now, we are so concerned about what we deserve. And this is pride. Entitlement is pride. It's saying, I deserve stuff. It's a huge issue for Americans. We are really concerned about our rights and what we deserve. Growing up, my dad would facetiously have this phrase when us kids would complain. He would, he would in a whiny voice, he'd say, my way, my way. I just want my way, making fun of us kids who are just complaining about everything, right? And it's like, this is entitlement, my way. Anytime that we would get upset when we don't get what we want, it's because we have an entitlement to something that we want and think we deserve and don't get it. Like, this is another example for myself. I went to Panera the other day. I've got the Panera subscription, and I waited in this long line, man. Everyone's getting tons of food, and all I wanted was a hot coffee. So I go through the line. I'm patient. I'm not really in a huge hurry. I kind of like sitting in lines. It's nice. It's a chance to slow down, whatever. I get my coffee, and I'm like, oh, I love Panera coffee. I'm so excited. It's like one of my favorite parts of the day. And I take a sip, and immediately I know something's off. This coffee is like almost cold, lukewarm, super stale. And it was just like a bummer. And I was like, man, this sucks. I paid for a good coffee. I deserve better than this. I deserve a hot coffee. And this entitlement in my heart, I paid for it, whatever, was like, it's making me like real pissy in the drive-thru. And I'm like, what's the big deal? How are we so concerned about what we deserve and what we get that we can get so frustrated. We just want my way. And any time that we don't get our way, it causes problems. And this seems to be a source of frustration when we don't get what we want. And it seems unusual that slow things in particular affect our entitlement. Lines in Chipotle, lines in the supermarket, and then the one that gets everyone is when a car doesn't go when the light turns green. Are you kidding me? When one second of our day gets held up by the car in front of us. So it is, it is pride. It is entitlement to be, to be so frustrated at the car in front of us for not going for one second. It's, one, it's literally one second. People start honking. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, this isn't even hyperbole. It's literally one second. You can try it on the way home. At the light at Vandiver and Oakland Gravel, when it turns green, just wait. Don't do that. 
Chris, Chris, said, Chris gave me a look. He goes, don't do that. Uh, no, but people are so entitled. We're so entitled to what we think we deserve. It's one second. It's, it's unbelievable. The example that I had prepared, I wasn't planning on sharing the Panera one, was, again, in Hannah's and my relationship, one of the things that I'm learning in humility is dying to myself. Every night, Hannah asks me for a glass of water. And sometimes, I don't want to give her a glass of water. <laughs> but what happens is, in my heart, if I am putting what I want above what she wants, this is pride. So if I say, I don't want to get you a glass of water, I don't want to serve you, it's elevating my desires over hers. It's saying, I'm more important than you. What I want is more important than what you want. And it's lazy. That's besides the point. Lazy of me, not her. She's the girl. She gets whatever she wants. Um, so that's entitlement. Entitlement in our lives is pride. I didn't think this would be as funny as it is, but that's all right. So that's entitlement. We talked about relationship, relationships, entitlement. The next is our criticism of others, and this is huge. So one of the biggest ways we see pride come out in our hearts is in our criticism of others. Um, what happens is we can have a critical and comparative heart to what other people do or say or how they act, um, and we will step up on them to try and build ourselves up. So let me give you an example. Um, a few years ago, there was a woman singing the uh, national anthem in front of like thousands of people, and she made a tiny mistake. And every single person on Twitter, headlines of newspapers, was dogging this woman for singing a song and making a mistake. This is a massive criticism. That's not a big deal. Where people are trying to push other people down and put themselves up. We also do it. It's not just news articles. When we go to the gym and we see someone who's not lifting very much weight, guys, you say, man, I'm stronger than that guy. I'm stronger than he is. His form sucks. He doesn't even know what he's doing. Does that guy even, does that guy even know how to shoot a soccer ball? Like, are you kidding me? He's horrible. Like, we were watching uh, MLS soccer, and these guys are, like, missing shots. And it's like, man, they're, they're pretty bad at soccer. <laughs> but we, we do it all the time to singers, TV shows, movies. I had a buddy in college who never said that he liked a movie. He said every movie was bad. And it seems like, especially today, the more critical we are of something, we become an expert. Oh, that movie's bad. Yeah, that movie's bad. And we step up. We step up on other people and try and build up ourselves. We try and build up ourselves by pushing other people down. We do it all the time in our classes, in the gym. It happens a lot in the gym. Comparison. We're looking at other people and comparing ourselves to them to build ourselves up. This one is huge. It is judgment and comparison. And it's horrible. We're, we're putting other people down. Um, when I was in middle school... I was really, really insecure, which is also pride. Insecurity is pride. I was really insecure and really worried about what other people thought. And I was desperate for a leg up to build up and protect myself and power up. And I would take, I would regularly just put down my brother for anything I could think of in front of everyone just to get a leg up, power up, build something for myself, protect myself. This pride of comparison and judging and criticizing and putting others down, it's horrible. It does not work. This is criticism of others. This is what pride does to us. When we're proud, we, we criticize, we compare, and we judge others to build up ourselves and protect ourselves. 
Last thing that we're going to talk about for how pride and humility can affect our lives is in receiving correction. So receiving correction is really, really, really hard for the proud. It's really, really hard for the humble, too, to, for someone to give you feedback and for you to take it and say, okay, I trust you, and I want to change. That's super hard. It's rare to see someone who can do that really well. We can be unable to receive criticism or correction or advice from other people, and we're quick to just say, why should I listen to you? You're worse in it. You're worse anyways. Why should I, why should I clean the kitchen when you, you trashed the living room last night when you had friends over? It's like, no. No, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I should have cleaned the kitchen. You're right. Sometimes correction is especially hard when it's in an area that we feel like we're competent in. We go, how dare you correct me? I know what I'm doing. Are you serious? Like, come on. Receiving correction is insanely hard. This is one area that Jesus says we need to be humble. So what does a humble person look like? This is kind of what a proud person looks like. What does a humble person look like? So when I, when I picture humility, I have a handful of images that pop into my head, one of which is Jesus. We're going to talk about that in a second. But first is my dad. So I think my dad is probably the most humble person I know. I've seen him just countless times, uh, be quick to serve. The last person to leave the kitchen after a meal is cleaned. First person to serve. Um, first person to encourage someone if they're down. Um, and, and one of my favorite stories is actually when Hannah and I started dating, she came over and my dad was really sick and really tired. He spent most of the day sleeping, but when Hannah came over, he jumped up off the couch and led her into the kitchen and recently, he had been loving this brownie ice cream dessert that he had been making. And he just led Hannah over, and he just made her one. And he didn't take no for an answer, and he served her. And service is humility. But the other thing that he did super well, he was a campus pastor for 25 years, was he would have these conversations with college students where they would just be upset at life, at him, whatever, their leader. And I, I probably watched him just get yelled at by crazy, angry college students they weren't mad, whatever, I don't know. And he would just take it with such humility. So what happens when we yell and get angry in an argument is we power up and we try and intimidate and we one-up and we one-up. And then if we're in a fight with someone else who's proud, they one-up and we fight. But what happens when someone is humble is they can actually sweep the pride from its legs and the pride has nothing to stand on. Someone is yelling at us and we just say, hmm, you're right, let me listen then there's no room for this pride in this argument anymore. And I could watch my dad do this with, hum with humility so much, and it was incredible. Another huge area that we see humility, what does humility look like, is in the person of Jesus. Um, there's a really famous story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, and at a glance, it's like, yeah, it's a, it's a hackneyed story. We've heard it a thousand times, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Um, but yesterday, I went fishing in my flip-flops, and I was at this pond 25 minutes away, and my line got stuck on a tree, so I had to walk out into the mud, the pond, to get my line. And when I walked back out, my flip-flops got stuck, and I had to pull them out, and I put it back on, and my feet had mud on them, and the mud was, like, in between my toes and on both feet, and it was really bad. Um, and I think this, this reminded me yesterday of the disciples' feet back in, the, back in those days, the olden days where everyone just wore sandals. They wore Old Navy flip-flops. Um, 
And so when Jesus, when Jesus washes his disciples' feet, it's, it's a major act of service. So he, Jesus lowered himself into the lowest servant position to do the dirtiest job. There's probably camel poop on the ground. They have dusty, dirty feet. And usually the servant in the household would do that. It is the lowest position. And Jesus takes the shoes off his disciples' feet. He's got a basin, a towel, and water, and he washes their feet. Probably in between their toes, probably stinky, probably awkward and uncomfortable, probably not super fun. Jesus is one of our models for humility. Um, after that, after he does that in John 13, 14, he says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. A call to humility. But also what Jesus did after this was the ultimate display of humility. In Philippians 2, 5-9, this, this is our main text for tonight. It says, In your relationships with one another, have the very same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Uh, this, this is profound. This is profound that the Son of God, the Almighty God-man, would not only come to this dirty planet and become a human, but would humble himself to death for sinners like you and me who were still accusers of him at that time. This is the ultimate act of humility and love. In Mark 10, 45, it says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is our model of a servant. So what are we supposed to do then? Let's take a look at our own lives. Sit back in your chair for a minute. Where have we not been humble? In that list of four traits, I think those are the main four. In our main four, where have we not been humble? Are we quick to get frustrated in our relationships with our friends, with your mom? Are we quick to get frustrated? Are we fighting with our friends, unable to find peace, fighting with everyone, not reconciling? Are we tearing people down in our mind, out loud to our friends, behind their backs? Are you blowing up for a friend for giving you some feedback, some advice? They're trying to help? What might it be? So what do we do? I think first and foremost, we gotta go to the cross. First Peter 5, 6, this is one of my main verses as well for this, is humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Jesus says, if you humble yourself, I'm gonna lift you up. If you're last, I'm gonna exalt you. You're gonna be first. So what happens in these four things that we talked about the, the relationships, entitlement, the criticism of others, and the receiving of correction. What happens when we, when we get proud is we're trying to build up ourselves. We're trying to build up and protect ourselves to get safe, to feel secure, to feel strong, and to feel special. I think those four things, that's what pride does. Pride is us trying to build up for ourselves. We're, we're trying to build a defense for ourselves. We're trying to feel strong, secure, special, and safe. When we fight with someone and we are unwilling to be wrong, 
We're fighting to get strong and safe. I want to build up my defense and defend myself so that no one can tear me down. When we tear other people down, we're trying to build up a defense. This is what pride is. Pride is, the, is our strength and our desire to protect ourselves. Pride says that we need to defend ourselves, but humility is going to the cross to let Jesus defend us. Jesus wants to defend us. He says that he's our avenger, and what he says about us is true. What we say is not true. When we, when we try and do all these things, this is not effective. Jesus says, find security in me. I am your strength. I think you are special, and you are safe in my hands. I am strong. He says, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. We have no fear in the security of God. We do not need to protect ourselves. We can let our defenses fall. In our conversations, in our fights, we don't need to defend ourselves. Maybe in our fights with our friends, our mom, your parents, your roommate, you don't need to defend yourself. One of the biggest names for the devil in the Bible, one of the, my favorite ones, is the accuser of the brethren. Maybe with our friends, instead of accusing them, we can come to their defense. We can be their, their defense attorney. In the courtroom, we talked about this at TOG. There's a defense attorney, and there's uh, the accusing attorney. In our relationships, can we not be the, the accusing attorney? Let's come to the defense. Let's build a case of defense for our friends that we're in conflict with, and we can, build, we can believe the best. We need to acknowledge that we need help, and we aren't able to do it on our own, and we need Jesus to be our safety and the source of our strength, specialness, and security. So in our relationships, I think we got to seek to mend relationships. If you got conflict, apologize. You don't need to be the smartest person, and you don't need to be right. The point of an argument is not to be right. That's crazy. The point of an argument is not to be right. If you fight to be right, it's going to be really hard. Everyone loses when you fight to be right. Jesus says, reconcile with your family. And reconciliation is a byproduct of humility. Reconciliation is a byproduct of humility. If in your relationships you're humble, you will be reconciled. I promise. For entitlement, we need to reshape our worldview. It's not about me. It's not about me. Let's try to bless others and be patient. The Bible says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. It's not about me. I'm not even on that list of the, the two most important things. For criticism of others, instead of judging others, let's build people up. What also happens when we're critical of others is we actually talk about ourselves a lot. When, when we're insecure and needing to judge and compare other people, we'll actually talk about ourselves a lot. Man, I was really, was really something in high school. You should have seen me. And I think also, like, if we have a friend who's talking about themselves, encourage them. It's super easy. If someone is saying, yeah, I threw the winning touchdown against our rival team senior year of high school. I got carried off the field. Wow, that's so special. That's such a cool memory. We can think about others the way Jesus sees them, as special and valuable. Jesus says that we're so special and valuable to him. And receiving corrections, this is probably the hardest one. I think it's the hardest one. We have to allow others to speak truth into our lives and accept correction. I think this is the hardest. Maybe, maybe you can ask someone who knows you well and you trust, how can I grow? 
What can I do to grow? Hey, I trust you. You've been in my life for a while. You've seen, you've seen my life. You know the ins and outs. What's an area of life you think I could grow in? I think that's one of the scariest questions we can ask. <laughs> so humble. My dad would always have this phrase that in life we can either eat the humble pie or the humble pie can be slammed in our face. So we can either learn humility the easy way or we can learn it the hard way. So I want to talk a little bit about why it's hard to be humble. So this sounds really hard. Like, I've been, I've been trying to do humility really well for a long time, and it still seems really, really hard. Why can it be hard? I think there's three main reasons why it's hard to be humble. One is hubris. So hubris is a word that basically just means uh, selfishness, basically. It's, it's all about me, a focus on me, arrogance. It's pride. Hubris is pride. Um, it comes from a Greek god who was known for just being aggressively arrogant. When, when we have hubris, we feel like we're right. We, we are just right. We're the best. We're not wrong. We don't need to be wrong. In our conversations, it basically just goes, I'm right, you're wrong, and you need to know that you're wrong. And I'm not going to stop until I know that you know that you're wrong. It can be hard to receive correction with hubris because we feel like we, we're perfect. We don't need correction. It's like, yeah, you can correct me, but I didn't do anything wrong. This is hubris. Why is it hard to be humble? We are just too proud. Another reason I think it's super hard to be humble is selfishness. This is a result of the fall. We are selfish. We wake up every day, and the first thing that we think about is, what are my needs, and how can I get my needs met? Every day. I'm uncomfortable in this bed. I don't want to get out of this bed. If anyone wants something from me, they're going to have to wake me up and throw me out of this bed. Because I'm thinking about my needs. This is super hard. When we are so just concerned about our needs being met, it can be hard to die to ourselves and meet the needs of other people. Lastly, why it's hard to be humble is oftentimes we can just feel attacked. We can feel threatened. So if, if pride is the security that we want to build up for ourselves, this, this fear of specialness that we're going to build up, this fear of safety or strength is if someone, if someone comes at us with anything, we just feel threatened. We want to ball up and power up. This is what pride wants to do. We feel threatened. Why is it hard to be proud? Because sometimes we can feel really, really threatened. I'm feeling unsafe. I'm going to power up. I'm going to power up right now. Yesterday, if we're playing basketball and someone was making me feel insecure, I was like really, I was really struggling with comparing myself to these guys playing basketball. I'm not very good. I love playing. There's this guy on the field and I was just not being very honoring in my mind. I was like really so tempted to just make a defense and power myself up and compare myself to this other guy. It's like, this is horrible. It's unnecessary. I don't need to do this. I don't need to defend myself. I'm okay. Jesus says I'm special. Jesus says I'm secure. He proved it. He proved these things. My strength is in him. I don't need to be strong. My strength is made great in my weakness. I'm going, to ex- I'm going to exalt God's strength in my weakness. I don't need to be strong. I don't need to defend myself. Jesus will. He promises. We need to find our safety, strength, specialness, and security in him because these things will not last. This pride is not going to work. It's going to destroy our relationships, and it's going to be super hard. We think that humility is one of the most important traits for leaders to have. Leaders are humble people. You guys watched 
Hussein Bolt run the Olympic, the world record 100-meter dash, when he crossed the finish line, all he would say is, I'm the best. And at one point, he wasn't even talking about running anymore. I think he called himself a god. It's like this level of, of hubris. And I don't mean to just put down Hussein Bolt. Maybe I'm guilty of that. Shoot. Uh, <laughs> there's an anonymous runner, right, who, who said this thing. <laughs> but it's like, no, we don't want to be proud in our relationships. You guys know the proud person. We don't want to be the proud person. God says that he's going to oppose the proud but shows favor to the humble. We want to be proud. How do we fix it? We want to find our security, our specialness, our safety, and our strength in Jesus at the foot of the cross. In our relationships, can we be the first person to run to the foot of the cross? Final reminder, we got to wash people's feet. we got to serve and be humble. Maybe do the laundry, bring someone a meal. Think about others more than ourselves. Think not of ourselves. And lower ourselves to the servant position, just like Jesus did and just like he commanded us to. Anyone who must be first among you must be last, the very servant of all. The offer of pride, pride's appeal is protection and safety and security. We want to build up. We want to appeal to pride and just build it up. I can do it on my own. That's, it's a lie. It does not work. It's an empty promise. Jesus promises the same thing, and his promises is sure. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. This space and your word, your guidance for us, Jesus. We want to live well. We want to figure out how to do this life well. And it seems like the creator of the world, the one who made us, would actually have a pretty great grasp on how we live that's going to be so beautiful and perfect. Jesus, this book maps out how we can do relationships well and how we can interact with the world in a beautiful way. Jesus, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Would you teach us how to walk with you? Amen.